You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Now launching Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? You always have to put the organization first. You set the parameters of what you're looking for. And we knew exactly what we were looking for. And once we felt we got to that point where the offers met what some of the things that we were looking for, then we decided, okay, now it's time. All right, gentlemen. Danny Cunningham is going to cover the Wolves for us. He does for 1500ESPN.com. Manny Hill, Judd here. Mac, you'll join at 4 o'clock. All right. So that was nonsense from Tibbs, okay? <laughs> That's one way to phrase it. But it's got nothing on where we're about to go, which is to quotes that Wolves owner Glenn Taylor gave to the Star Tribune and The Athletic yesterday in articles that were published today. The only and we're going to go through about five of these, and the only question to ask is this: Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? All right, I'm going to run through these, and we're going to spend some time here dissecting quotes from Glenn Taylor, and I think we're all going to end up probably here, huh? Or here? Okay, what? But we'll definitely end up here. Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? All right, let's start with this one. This comes from the Star Tribune this morning. The Star Tribune, which, of course, Glenn owns. On evaluating Tibbs after the trade that was made with Philadelphia on Saturday morning, sending Jimmy Butler to the 76ers. This is on, this is Taylor on Tibbs. Quote, he will be evaluated on how we go forward. The truth is we dug ourselves a little bit of a hole, so it's going to be harder than it would be if it was a true start of a season. We're just going to have to make that up. That's how I'm going to do it. If you had at training camp the couple weeks before the season, had these guys here, it'd be better than the way it is. Huh? All right. I'll start what? by saying this. I'll start by saying this. Okay, huh? Glenn. <laughs> Glenn. First of all, the quote barely makes sense, but let's just say it does. It's hard to follow. Yes, it's very hard to follow. It's convoluted, right? You might have to repeat that quote, John, actually, to be honest. Okay. (laughs) Glenn on Tibbs, after the Butler trade yesterday. Hang on, everyone take a deep breath. Clear your mind. Tom will be... (laughs) Clear the mechanism. Tom will be evaluated on how we go forward. The truth is... We dug ourselves a little bit of a hole, so it's going to be harder than it would be if it was a true start of a season. We're just going to have to make that up. That's how I'm going to do it. If you had had training camp the couple weeks before the season, had these guys here, it'd be better than the way it is. Okay, what? Huh? All right, so I've given you the quote twice, and I know it's convoluted, and it's, it's still hard to understand. But basically, but basically... I'm still lost. Okay, but basically... <laughs> but that's the game. That's the yeah, game we're playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just starting here, boys. All right. But what he's trying to say is that if we had had the guys from the Sixers here and had made this trade in training camp, we could have had all of these guys meshing together. All right. 
This is where I'm confused. You could have had these guys here in training camp, but the president of basketball operations and head coach Tom Thibodeau essentially, as far as we could tell, lied to you or didn't tell you that Jimmy Butler was behind your back, I guess, going to Tibbs and demanding a trade. But you also knew enough by the time training camp started that the trigger could have been pulled on this trade weeks ago in order to make a trade to get guys here for the start of training camp. So not only does the quote make no sense on on its surface just because it's confusing, just because it leaves me baffled, but it also makes no sense because it's your fault, Danny Cunningham. It's Glenn Taylor's fault Mm -hmm. that a trade wasn't made because all he had to do was basically tell Tom, move out of the way, I'll just do the damn thing myself or get somebody who will. And now he's saying that he's going to judge Tibbs on digging out of this hole. That's pretty deep already. I mean, they're 5-9, and nine, and guess what? You don't get those 14 games back. You don't get to start at 0-0 zero and zero because you acquired a couple new players. You're already behind the eight ball. You are, you are way behind the eight ball. You're in second last place in the Western Conference. 14 games in. The second Western, last. The Western Conference. The only team in the conference <laughs> worse than you is Phoenix Suns at 2-11. and 11. That's it. So my question to both of you is, is why is there an evaluation period even in happening here? This is all on tips. This is his fault. You're now going to take a step back and be like, well, yeah, he goofed that up, but we'll give him some time to straighten things out. It, this it, no, this quote one makes no sense whatsoever. It's he goofed that up. We just have to wait and see how bad. That's huh? what it is. Okay, what? Well, here's the thing, though, Judd. This is, this is par for the course for Glenn Taylor, right? In terms of... When when is when is Glenn Taylor ever now? Glenn Taylor has done some things that people agree with in that just doing those things. But when has he ever done them when he should have done them? Maybe never. That's what I'm saying here. Like everything says that he should part ways with Tom Thibodeau now, right? Absolutely. But he's not going to. You're nope. This this is going to play out for the entire season because this is par for the course of Glenn Taylor. He always drags his feet with things like this. He always waits until it's way too late or way too long to do something. He he kept Kevin McHale around and let him run the franchise for about four or five years too long. They probably should have moved Kevin Garnett a few years before they actually did. That never happened. And now this the Jimmy Butler thing took way longer than it should have. And now you have this. This is going to be the exact same thing. But now you're going to be now you feel that that you need to be fair to Tibbs, who probably didn't tell you the truth at <laughs> the know. outset of, of this whole thing. But that's only subject or quote number 1 from Glenn talking oh. to both the Star Tribune oh, wait, there's more? and Athletic. There's more? Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? Number 2 on my list. On the topic of when Glenn was told about Butler's trade demand, keep in mind, Butler has said that he told Tibbs four days after the season and then on a few occasions after that he didn't think it would work here or wanted out. Glenn Taylor talking to our buddy John Krasinski of The Athletic. And I quote, I can only respond to my direct knowledge, and that is that the coach told me that. He called me after the meeting right before training camp the very next day and said Jimmy wants to be traded. That's the first time I had heard about that. Huh? Okay. 
So your guy, so basically what you're saying is, I can only, aren't you, if you're Glenn Taylor, aren't you curious about when Butler, because you've seen the reports now, right? Aren't you curious about when Jimmy Butler really did approach Tibbs? Because if he approached him, if he basically did, if he did not, as we know, he did not take the plane back from Houston after the playoff series and then told Tibbs, it ain't going to work here. And you own the franchise, Danny Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Aren't you curious exactly what went down here? Because if you weren't brought into the loop then, that's what we like to call it in the business, a fireable offense. That is fireable. That is absolutely fireable. And you can say what you want about Jimmy Butler being a, a bad teammate and all these things, but I don't classify Jimmy Butler as a liar. I don't think he's lied. I think he's a bad guy, but yeah. Sure, I, but, but yeah. I don't think and why he's a liar. And why would why would he about this? And especially because he's close to Tibbs. Yep. Why would he try and paint him in a worse light than he actually should be? Right. So we're talking April, May, June, July, August, and about halfway into September where Glenn Taylor really did not apparently know about Jimmy Butler being disgruntled and wanting out. That's like six months. Yeah. And supposedly Butler at, at different periods of the, the timetable that you just talked about, Manny, is going back to Tibbs and saying, are you doing something? Are you doing something? And Taylor doesn't know about this. And Tibbs drags his feet until the summit in Los Angeles right before training camp. But Glenn on face, why are you taking that on face value from Tibbs when you're seeing frequent reports that you were not told the truth? Why would Jimmy be trying to get Tibbs fired? Because that, if if he's lying, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But why would he be doing that? Wouldn't his guy? I just shouldn't it click with Glenn Taylor? Like if oh, this, like oh, this wait. doesn't. Oh wait, oh wait. <laughs> that's a really good. It's a really good question. But hold on a second here, Glenn Taylor. What the hell are you talking about? All right, from deep the- breath. From The Athletic, and I'm going to have to read this very slow. The setup on whether Tibbs can recover from any damage inflicted to his ability to lead the team after Butler essentially took control of the franchise during his last portion of his career here. I think, this is not a joke. This is Taylor on Tibbs. I think it's in his interest to make sure that doesn't happen. And if it has happened in a small way or a big way, that he goes back and he'll have the chance to go back and say things have changed now. And these are my expectations, Taylor said of Tibbs. It certainly made a bump in the road, no matter how you look at it, when you have a situation that lingered like ours with a player who was taking advantage of the situation. It is something you have to adjust to, but I think he can do it. Hold on. Wait for this. Huh? Okay, what? You guys heard me read that. Can anyone explain it to me? No. <laughs> Should we just move on? Should we not even comment on it? I I have a headache don't have already. A comment. Like what am I supposed to say? I don't I don't I mean I would this. read it again, I, but I have it a headache help. already. I, I could slow down, it wouldn't help. I should have took some Advil before show. <laughs> <sighs> should we do a fourth one or should we take a break and we got time. We got time for a fourth right. one, I think. Okay. Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? On allowing Tibbs so long a time period to try and convince Jimmy to stay with the Wolves. Taylor on Tibbs. It was hard for the coach to see an end to this relationship, Taylor said. 
I think he felt responsible that he should work hard to try to get Jimmy to change his mind, to stay with us, to meet the goals that we all agreed upon, and that was to have a successful year this year, and he would coach it. Jimmy would help in the leadership, needs of the team, and get us deep in the playoffs. I don't fault the coach at all for having those desires and hopes. But of course, as you saw, that strung out the timetable because a lot of effort on his part was put into trying to work with Jimmy. It's probably from from my viewpoint as being a step away from it, I felt that this was probably not going to work out. I understand huh? the last portion of this. It's probably from my viewpoint, Glenn Taylor saying this about the Butler situation as being a step away from it, mm-hmm. I felt that this was probably not going to work out. About the Butler situation. About the Butler situation. Okay. He understood Tibbs' dilemma, but here's but here's my question for both of you then. Why in the hell don't you step in and, and sit Tom down? You employ Tom. You're paying Tom 20, a lot of money. Twenty four million dollars a year, and say Tom, you can't handle this. You don't know how. You're too close to it. You love Jimmy too much. I see it's not going to work out. So to Danny Cunningham's point, I'd prefer not to bleep up the first fifteen to twenty games of my season. I at least understand what he's saying, but it still makes no sense. He can say it, but what is it? What did his actions show? Right, his actions didn't yeah. show that. He sat back and watched too, just like everybody else. And that goes back to my original point about Glenn Taylor. This is par for the course with Glenn Taylor. He lets things go on for much longer than they should. He sits back and he does nothing. Okay, even though it's plenty obvious what's going on and that things are not going the way they should, he waits till the last possible second to. Do- to take any action whatsoever. This has been his entire ownership tenure does he of have, this franchise. Does he have advisors? Does he have a president of the business department who can help him out? Is there somebody who can come to him and help out? You would you would like to think that somebody would have said, Glenn, you're not handling this right. We're paying Tibbs a lot. Tibbs has run amok. I've got when, when we come back, I've got one more, and then I've got a question that Minnesota sports fans need to ask themselves when it comes to the Timberwolves. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's take a look at our uh, traffic and uh, tell you about a crash that's going on in Minneapolis right now. 94 westbound, that crash is uh, between 5th Street and 35W. Uh, It's causing about a four-minute delay. So if you're headed uh, westbound on 94, right around the downtown area, be on the lookout for that, Judd. Huh? Okay, what? Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? Meanwhile, speaking of other crashes uh, around the area. (laughs) Exactly right, Manny Hill. Exactly right. All right, gentlemen, I've got one more. I've got... um, I've got the the fifth in my line of... Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? And we're the, really glad we were able to take a break. I could get a couple of leave down. It doesn't make sense, <laughs> but I mean, that's what makes this so much fun. So here is, here is the uh, fifth quote that I pulled and the fourth one that I pulled from uh, Johnny Krasinski's piece in The Athletic with Glenn Taylor. And I will run this past you again, gentlemen. <clears throat> Reading from The Athletic. The season started with expectations of making the playoffs, and that hasn't changed even after a 5-9 and nine start. 
<laughs> quote from Glenn Taylor about that. I would say to Tibbs, all right, no matter what, this is a new start, Taylor said. Let's start off with our goal of getting into the playoffs. We dug ourselves a hole, but this is not one that's impossible to get out of. And now it gets way better. As the quote continues. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Being difficult should be exciting for our fans, especially if we're coming from behind and nipping away. That should be very exciting. That's my expectations of Thibodeau, that he sets it up so that our fans can see that, gosh, if the gosh is what I said, if these guys keep playing the way we are, we're going to find ourselves right back into the playoffs. Huh? Okay, what? Yes, it's going to be difficult, Danny Cunningham and Manny Hill. Being difficult should be exciting for our fans especially if we're coming from behind and nipping away. The only question I would ask Glenn is this. Do you realize the fans all hate your head coach? You know what's exciting for fans, guys? Tell me. Winning. Like, you know whose Tell fans me. are excited right now? Yeah? Go the, ahead. The Blazers fans, they're 10-3. and three. Denver Nuggets fans? They've got a 9-5 and five team. They're in third place. They're excited. Milwaukee Bucks fans, just four hours away. They're ecstatic right now. That's exciting. Yeah. Being five and nine. Duh. Not exciting. Listen, all, <laughs> all three of us were at Target Center. I on have Monday to lay night. down. I can't even take this anymore. But Judd, think about all three of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were all at Target Center on Monday night. Yeah. Now, listen, Danny, we talked about on the podcast last night, right? It's Monday night. It's the Nets. And, you, you, you know, know but, and the new players aren't playing. There was yeah. nothing on Monday night if you're a fan that would have drawn you to that game. They're on but, a five-game losing streak, no new players, Monday night, the Nets, who cares? But mm-hmm. even then, the, that just speaks to the bigger situation that we're all observing with this team right now. It's a Monday night, and you barely got 7,000 people in your arena to watch the Brooklyn, and the, the Nets are not a marquee team right now, and so you're going to have a tough time drawing anyway. But the fact that it was so quiet in that arena, and you could literally hear people yelling things at the head coach from the second deck. My favorite thing that got yelled was when uh, a fan yelled at Jeff Teague to pass the ball as he laid it in for an and one. Like, he, he goes, pass the ball! As the whistle blows and the ball goes in the hoop for an and one. How about when Tibbs dropped the GD as loud as he possibly could in the <laughs> second half and it reverberated off the ceiling? But does Glenn does Glenn understand this is not going to be exciting? The coach gets booed at the start of every game and he gets this bleep-eating grin. The coach does on yes. his face like this is great. Like this, Glenn, Glenn just... God. Glenn is there. I know, but talk. But, he's on. He's but where? He's right there in the first Tibbs. row. He's five feet away from Tibbs. As all of this is going on. But where? Are, what is going on? No, but where is anybody to help him understand this? All right. So here's the question. And Danny, I think you're going to care, but not as much. Manny will care a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a fifty-fifty proposition for you guys. Okay. Okay. Fifty-fifty proposition. Would you be willing to take the chance that the Wolves would move, would go to Seattle, would relocate, would leave town, 
if it meant Glenn Taylor would sell the team to an ownership that was really good, really smart, hired the right people, with the other 50% being that the team would stay here. So it's a 50-50 draw. Same, same owners either way? Yes. but 50% and good, chance and, it moves? Yep, yep. The point being, it's a Steve Ballmer type or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody buys this team, and there's a 50% chance they move it. There's a 50% chance they don't. So you're risking losing the franchise, but you're going to get an extended period of competence. Manny Hill, you're the longtime Wolves fan here. You go first. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably take that chance. But that's I I would be very very hesitant because of fifty percent fifty percent odds of a team moving to Seattle. And listen, I am all on board with bringing the Seattle SuperSonics back to the NBA. Like sure. it was a travesty that they. All due respect to Oklahoma City, it was a travesty that the NBA left Seattle a decade ago. But. What? Yeah, I, at the I don't expense know. of your team, at the expense of my team, that would be very, very, very hard to take. This is like so heading, I'm, t- I'm torn. This is like heading to the casino, putting it all on red. Mm-hmm. Like you are, yeah. you are just trusting that that ball is going to come up on a red number, and it's a fifty-fifty chance that it's yep. going to be on but red. It, but if it does, it's going to be well run, and you're going to make playoff runs, and you're and you're going to see something that you basically have never seen here for an extended period of time. Yeah, man, it's tough. Come on, it is. I think you you got to do it. You got to take that risk. I agree you, completely. Because you, as of right now, yeah. where's it going? What's the ceiling for this group? What's the ceiling for this ownership? Yeah, any, having the team here is great. Yep. But man, wouldn't that be enticing? Being being able to potentially have a model franchise or nothing. You could have a model franchise, or you could have nothing to complain about. So how much do you like being able to complain about the Wolves, I think, is what it comes down to. I think it's fun for our jobs. Oh, absolutely. I mm-hmm. think if you're a true f- fan, this probably is just years of of ineptitude that makes you give up eventually. Mm-hmm. I would do it. I would take the chance. I would I take probably the, would too. I would take the chance. But it would be gut-wrenching if they moved to Seattle. As much as I want okay. the Sonics to be back in the NBA, that would be gut-wrenching. But anyone got a quarter? How long? <laughs> I do. Wait. Flip a Talk coin. for a second. Let's flip a coin. Let's see if the Doug's going to dig out leaving. a quarter right now. Oh, he's got a lot of change, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Here yeah. You go. Catch it. Go ahead. Danny Cunningham. <laughs> All right, here we go. What, Danny what, Cunningham's going to flip man, the you coin. you call it. What do you want them to stay? Heads or tails? Heads, they stay. What do we got? Go get a Sonics jersey, boys. Oh, Lord. Hey, Seattle's a great town. I'll travel there. I'll go see them. Great NBA town, You know what? They're going to win championships there. You know They they already did. They already did win a championship with Lenny Wilkins in the late 70s. But the new Sonics. Yeah. It's a shame Cat just bought those guys winter coats. Now they need rain jackets. Oh. (laughs) All right. You got uh, Pelicans tonight, right? Yeah. And Tibbs is going to get booed, and Glenn is going to be oblivious to it. Those five... Anthony Davis will be fun to watch, though. We're going to get an example. Of, Holiday. We're going to get an example of how you utilize a, a big man from Kentucky who has all sorts of offensive skills, and how you just feed him the basketball, and you get him touch after touch after touch after touch, and the next thing you know, you look at the box score, and he's got twenty-eight and fourteen. So why should I believe? Why should I, for one second, believe now that Tibbs is going to take this group and mold them correctly? Is there any? Is there anything I'm missing here as I 
call for his firing and marvel at the ineptitude of the entire organization that would lead you to believe that now that Butler is gone, he has any chance of getting something from this group? No. I, I mean, I'm, I, I can't I'm serious. See, I'm not, I'm not I can't kidding. see where what the ceiling for this team right now isn't high enough to save Tibbs, I don't think. I think that we're going to be looking at a, a coaching search come April. I think that he probably survives until, if I had to bet, Tibbs is in charge of this team until roughly 10 games left in the season. Because it's it's unfair to replace him now and have an interim guy coach whatever, how many games. That's unfair. Mm-hmm. But when you get to that point where there's 10 games left, what do you need him for anymore? The one thing that I would say about that is I think if you want to have any chance of bringing the fans back and engaging them, he can't be here. That's true. I think people are going to stay away solely because of him. That's that's fair. And that's I think fair. Glenn has to Glenn has to somebody at least has to tell Glenn they ain't coming back if he's here. And they could even win a few games. I don't think it saves him. Who's, who's I, I the think, man for that job? Who's the man to tell them that the fans are You're covering the beat. You tell me. I've been here for 10 days. Don't look at me, John. I have no idea. I've been wondering the same thing. Ryan Saunders' name comes now. up and I don't think that's fair right now to him at this point. But I really believe from a business standpoint, if you want to put any people in that building, and more importantly, if you want to make players, if you want to find somebody who can make this group of players feel positive about themselves, it's not Tom. Oh, no. He's not going to do it. He's going he to is not the coach. Gonna... He is not the coach for this situation. He He's not the coach to be in a developmental stage with the team. He's just not. He's no. not a Kenny Atkinson like like Brooklyn was when they were developing right. over the past couple of years. He's not a Brett Brown that's going to survive a team that goes 10 and 72. Even Judd, even when he took over in Chicago, the team that he took over in Chicago was young, but they were seasoned. They had been they had already had playoff experience and Derrick Rose was super young, but he had already been in the league for a couple of years and had already kind of established himself. Joe Kim Noah and Boozer and all those guys they were they had been in the league for a little bit. So it was it was easy for him to sort of take over a team and yeah, they were number 1 seed in the East that year and but that team was already kind of battle tested. This team is not that same sort of situation am at I, all. Am I correct in also saying that the game has changed since then? Oh, God, oh yes. absolutely. It feels absolutely, to me it yes. feels to me like like there there was a, a transitionary period in the sport that was going on at that period, but now that transitionary period's probably complete mm-hmm. and coaches like Tibbs might have been tolerated at that point, but now they're just tuned out. Well, his, That's his style fit basketball better. That's sure. what it was. I, I mean, now, if you would have put the Golden State Warriors in the way they play or the Houston Rockets in the way they play, or if you look at the, the past few seasons of the Cavs with LeBron, the way they played into 2008, 2009, it would look so foreign. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. All right, thank you, sir. Pleasure. Check out Danny's work, uh, 1500ESPN.com, also uh, on the Raised by Wolves podcast with Manny Hill as well. Let's take a break. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Come back with some scoopage from Doogie, including the fact that the Wolves probably passed on a very enticing offer from the Heat, and we're not quite sure why. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokely. On 1500 ESPN. How- Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, yeah, I, I want, want a scoop, baby. Scoop, scoop, baby. 
All right, it's scoop time with Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News. And uh, Dukes, it is finally done. The Jimmy Butler trade has finally been made. Tell us how this finally unfolded where we got to the point where it was untenable enough that Jimmy Butler had to be moved and that Tibbs no longer could um, try and hang on to his favorite player of all time. What's amazing to me, Judd, by the way, happy hump day. What's amazing to me is like it, yeah. Tibbs finally came around. I'll admit, I am wrong on that. I've been saying for a long time, I never thought that Tibbs would turn a corner on deciding to trade Jimmy. He actually did. This was not owner Glenn Taylor. I thought in the end it would take Glenn Taylor pushing the trade past the finish line. Yes, Glenn was involved. As Glenn said on my podcast about 10, 11, 12 days ago, mm-hmm. any big decision He is going to have his fingerprints all over. But in this instance, after the loss late Friday in Sacramento, this was Tibbs going to his staff and saying, we can't do this anymore. There was also a sense that Jimmy was going to shut himself down, that Jimmy would not have played on Monday against the Nets. He would not have played tonight against the Pelicans. He was not playing for the foreseeable future. That Friday night was it. But I'm just telling you, the most surprising thing to me is that Tibbs turned a corner. But talks were advancing. I'm going to ask you this quick, though. Talks were advancing all middle of last week. If Tibbs knew that Friday was it and and that uh, trade negotiations with, I would take it, various teams at that point were close or coming to fruition, how on earth can a competent human being allow Jimmy Butler to play, I believe, 41 minutes that night against the Kings? That's my question. Well, how did Jimmy allow himself to play 40 minutes? I just, minutes? I, I'm. I mean, Jimmy baffled. was tempted at halftime. I mean, the word is from the Jimmy camp. Yep. Jimmy was tempted to not play the second half. He shouldn't have. So I'm surprised Jimmy went through with the plan to play that many minutes. I think Tibbs was just grasping, right? He was hoping maybe we can salvage this game. Maybe we somehow make a run in the second half. We salvage a victory on this road trip. They still haven't won on the road. Maybe we can salvage a game on this road trip. We have the weekend off. Maybe as we enter into a stretch of 10 of the next 12 at home, the two road games are layups in many ways, Brooklyn and Cleveland. We enter this 12-game stretch. Maybe if we can find a way to beat the lowly Kings, and I'm sorry, Sacramento's making progress. Dave Yeager is my guy. His brother Blaine in town is a good friend of mine. I love the Yeager family. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're still lowly. I love their future, but this is not a playoff team. They're playing pretty good basketball right now, but it's not a good team. But still, it's just one game. Overall. It's one game, and and if but you're that's close the to way a, Tibbs, okay, but that's why he can't is run this team programmed. Yes, I mean he's always thinking short term. He's not a big picture kind of guy. So it was ultimately the offer that was, uh, or the trade that was consummated on Saturday morning. Was that the best offer that the Wolves received from the bidders for Jimmy Butler's services? I would say that's subjective. I mean, that's open for interpretation. I mean, I know some league people who think Dario Sarch still has a ceiling, but he hasn't hit that ceiling. Now, he is due big money pretty darn quick. I mean, are you prepared to pay him 15 to 16 to $17 million a year? I mean, clearly the Wolves making this deal. They don't have to make that determination right this second. But I'm just telling you, to keep him long-term, that's the sort of money that him and his agent, Jeff Schwartz, XL Sports Management, you know, the real power brokers when it comes to agents. I mean, XL Sports Management is that. They're looking for for big money. Robert Covington is a good player. I would say he's probably hit his ceiling. But he's a 3 and D guy. He's not going to necessarily create a lot on his own, but he can make threes. He is an elite defender. I mean, Robert Covington can be a good player, Maybe not a top three player, but in that 
four to six to seven range on a really good team. So you can make a case they did well here. I can just tell you though, Judd, I also know league people that tell me the best deal that they should have made was the deal with Miami. And oh, by the way, you could have made that deal four weeks ago. So think about the circus of the last month. Remember how good Jimmy was in that home opener against Cleveland? Then he doesn't play the next night at Dallas. Would he play against Utah at Target Center? Would he play at Portland? The constant drama. Everything surrounding this situation could have been avoided over the last month if you pulled the trigger with Pat Riley in the heat going back about four or five weeks. Now Miami took Josh Richardson off the table. On Saturday morning or late Friday night when the Wolves finally reached a verbal agreement with Philadelphia, at that moment, I'm told Josh Richardson was not available. But Josh Richardson is in the first year of a four-year deal, team-friendly contract, when you consider how valuable he is. That was the deal to make, even if you had to take back Deion Waiters. Mm -hmm. Because one of the deals that was talked about was Richardson, Waiters, and a future first. Now, there was a deal discussed where it was Richardson, Kelly Olenek, and a future first. Now, according to Mark Stein, and Mark is plugged in. Now, Mark was wrong on one thing that I reported a few weeks ago with Glenn Taylor, but Mark of the New York Times, formerly of ESPN, he's incredibly plugged in. He reported last night, I don't know if it was on Twitter or in the New York Times, he reported somewhere, one of his outlets, that the Wolves also asked for $5 million from Miami. So they had a chance to get Richardson, Olenek, and a future first, and they said, they, also chip in $5 million. They did this when? Four weeks ago. Okay, so And that's when, when Miami said, and that might have been the deal that was on the five-yard line, to use the football cliche, when the teams exchanged medical records. Don't forget, Miami had the medical records of Jimmy. Right. You don't exchange medical records if you're not really, really close to completing a deal. So Miami had his medical records. I don't know if that was the exact deal, because I do know 100% Richardson, Waiters, and a first was discussed. Was but that- if Mark Stein is right, yeah. that the Wolves could have had Richardson, Olenek, and a future first, then to me, and I know a lot of league people that feel this way, you know, more than five, more than, you know, the fingers on one hand, I can tell you. There are enough league people I know because I texted a lot of people Saturday morning just to take the temperature. Hey, what do you think? How did the Wolves do? And I just know a lot of league people who say the Wolves messed up not getting Josh Richardson. So did Glenn want the cash? Did Glenn come around and ask for that I don't cash? Know. Hopefully I'll track down Glenn. I mean, I had Glenn on the podcast you know, a couple weeks ago. Glenn and I had an agreement that he would come back on in some form, even if it's just for taping something for TV, but in some form that I would talk to him sometime after the trade was completed. Now, I don't know if I'll talk to him later today, tomorrow. I'm doing Saturday morning for Scott Korzenowski, so maybe I get him on live on You're Saturday morning, 9 to 11. I'll have him at some point. It might be next week. It might be two weeks from now. But at some point here in the foreseeable future, I'll catch up with Glenn. I will run that by Glenn. I will just tell you, it surprises me. I think if you could have gotten Richardson, Olenek, and a first, that was plenty good. I don't necessarily think that the Wolves are asking for $5 million. But I'm just telling you, Mark Stein is incredibly so credible. Somebody, somebody asked for $5 million, Well, per Mark whether Stein, that be yeah. um, Glenn or Tibbs. Uh, in your opinion, and knowing Glenn like you do, how safe do you think Tibbs is right now with, what, three years left on that contract? Yeah, well, and I think two years is easier to eat after they share. I mean, I don't think anything is happening in season. I mean, never say never. If they go on a 10-game losing I'd streak at right some now, point. But that's, but that's me. I don't think that's happening. Put it this way, I can tell you 100%, nothing is imminent in that regard.
But can I see a scenario come April after the Wolves miss the playoffs that there is change 100%? And recall, mm-hmm. I've been saying this for a while and others are now hopping in, that if the Wolves had lost that game to Denver in April and had missed the playoffs, that some sort of change was happening. doesn't necessarily mean that Tibbs was being fired. It might have been Scott Layden with somebody coming in to run the front office, but I'm just telling you, I firmly believe that change in some regard was coming yep. if the Wolves did not make the playoffs. So Glenn told Krasinski uh, for a story that appeared in The Athletic, I believe, uh, debuted today. Mm-hmm. He told Krasinski that he's basically told Tibbs to focus on coaching this team and for Layden to be the, the GM and fulfill the front office job. He also told Johnny, though, that he hasn't officially made a change there in power structure. How are we to interpret that? Well, I think we interpret it that Scott will be the one taking and making trade calls. I mean, you think about the roster. I mean, they have a lot of guys on expiring deals. Anthony Tolliver, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague as a player option for next year. I think if the right offer came in, they would move Jeff Teague. The Phoenix Suns like Tyus Jones. I don't think the Wolves are necessarily married to Tyus, even though I told you this a year ago, the Tibbs has come around on Tyus. But if the Suns make the right offer, the Wolves would trade Tyus. Jared Bayless is now a really good trade chip on an expiring contract. I think what that means is Scott will be the one being the aggressor on the trade front. So as we approach the February trade think? deadline. Yes, I do, though. I don't think Scott is making a deal that Tibbs says no to. Put it this way, if yep. some team, now you can make a case. Now, Derrick Rose has been sixth man, whatever you want to say. Derrick Rose has been phenomenal this I, year. I, I mean, tra- nobody can deny I that. I trade him. But he dribbles the ball so much. He dominates the ball so much. Is it counterproductive when looking at the 2019-2020 season? Moving forward the next few years, especially if Tibbs isn't here, do you see Derrick Rose here? So you can make a case. Yep. I'm not saying you get a lot for him. No, but you could get something for him. But I think you could get something for him. But, but would, do you think Tibbs is trading Derrick Rose? But that's my point. Is, so would, my point is, I don't think Scott Layden is executing a Derrick Rose trade that's what I'm asking. when Tibbs says, no, we're that's not trading Derrick Rose. So no, I right. I think they still need to be in lockstep. I think it just means that Scott is the one making and receiving trade calls. Last thing on the Wolves. Do you think that Glenn understands that there's almost no chance the fans are going to come back as long as Tom is here? Yeah, I don't think he's an idiot. Well, I just don't know sometimes because his comments, as we've talked yeah, about already today... Are, are so oblivious, I can't figure out if he's trying to put a happy face on things or if he really just doesn't get it and, no, and he he's not being it. advised no, correctly. I mean, you I think don't know. about whether it's Ethan, Ryan, some really smart people that he leans on in that organization. Trust me, that dialogue okay. has occurred. Twin scoops. I mean, it's they're slow playing for agency like everybody, right? I mean, outside of Trevor Rosenthal signing with the Washington Nationals, the Twins had some interest in. They attended a showcase. But outside of that, I mean, this isn't the NFL, NHL, NBA. I mean, everything usually ramps up around the winter meetings, which are still three weeks away in Las Vegas. We'll see some signings before the month is over. But typically, free agency extends into December. But they did last week at the GM meetings meet with the agent for Patrick Corbin. He turned down his qualifying offer from Arizona. How genuine that interest is? It remains to be seen. We are still in the baby stage of interest all around. I mean, not just the Twins. I mean, the Yankees, other teams in Patrick Corbin. But I can just tell you, the Twins have interest in Patrick Corbin. 
They have had conversations with the agent for DJ LeMayhew. You can make a case. Now, maybe it's Jed Lowry, but you can make a case that LeMayhew is the best available second baseman. They are looking for a first baseman, a second baseman, a reliever, or maybe even two, and a starter. Last thing, go for hoops. Why is recruiting so difficult right now? You, you would think with the new practice facility, Doogie, with all the things going potentially for this program, that recruiting should be at a, a potential high point for Richard Patino. Why does the recruiting process seem to be taking so many hits for Gopher basketball? Yeah, they lost another recruit today. Kobe Brown had a bunch of, or at least a handful of power six offers. He said yes to Texas A&M, no to Minnesota. He visited recently. Now the Gophers did get a commitment last night. I had him on the most recent Scoop podcast, a kid who plays his high school basketball now at a prep school in Utah, a kid named Trey Williams, 6'4 guard. Did have a Georgia Tech offer. He told me he had some interest recently, if you want to take him at face value, from VCU, from Northwestern, from Georgetown. But the interesting thing is, he was first contacted by the Gophers about two weeks ago. Rob Jeter of the Gophers reached out just two weeks ago. Then he visited okay. over the weekend, and he commits. Odd. Okay. They have swung and missed on so many kids. You look locally, Judd. David Roddy of Breck commits to Colorado State. God love Dave Thorson. So Thorson going, is my so what's guy. what's going on here? He took too long. I mean, it's case by case. On Roddy, he took too long. I was told Roddy's mom was upset. Okay. And she certainly had a say in the matter. All right. That if they had offered David Roddy six months prior, they offered him in August. What took so long to offer this local kid who starred for Howard Pulley, starred on the EYBL Nike circuit over the summer? What took so long to offer him? You could have offered him in May. Why did you offer him in August? So really... Case by case. Tyrell Terry. I'm heading to D. LaSalle this afternoon. We're actually taping this conversation a little early. Oh, Nothing wrong with it. that. Now you've oh, done it. Now you've gone the, a, the magic of radio is dead to me now. Oh, no, not that. So, yeah, Tyrell Terry signing this afternoon at D. LaSalle High School. Really good point guard. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Stanford wanted him. Really smart kid. I mean, it's hard to turn down that Stanford education. Reed Travis, who went to D. LaSalle, who went to Stanford before graduate transferring to Kentucky, Reed and Tyrell had some conversations, so Reed sold Tyrell on Stanford. You know, Tyler Wall at Lakeville North, I mean, he's got Wisconsin written all over him. You think about the way Greg Gard plays in Madison, you think about Tyler Wall's game, I mean, that is, to me, a perfect fit. When you're Zeke Najee and Matthew Hurt, now, neither of those two kids has officially signed or committed anywhere, but you think about those two kids, top 30 players nationally in the class of 2019, Future NBA player, certainly hurt for sure. Yep. And I think Najee's got a decent chance. You don't come here. When's the last time the Gophers produced an NBA player? So if you're if you're a McDonald's All-American or a Cusp McDonald's All-American, yep. why would you come here over a blue bullet? You just wouldn't. You know, so you have to go case by case. Now I would argue Oturu, Kausher, how good was Kausher on Monday? Yeah, Oturu, nice. Kausher, Omersa. Yep. Last year's recruiting class was really good. So it's cyclical, but yeah, specifically the 2019 recruiting class, and it's not done yet, so let's see what happens in the spring, Mm -hmm. but so far, 2019 recruiting for Richard Pitino has been a train wreck. Thank you, sir. You got it. Scoop Podcast, uh, you can check it out uh, from Doogie each week, uh, 1500ESPN.com, Podcast One, and iTunes as well, back after this, Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN.
All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studio, 62 eastbound in Edina. We've got a crash between 212 and Gleason Road. That's causing a 16-minute delay. That's near Edina and uh, 35W southbound in Bloomington. We've got a crash uh, between 86th and 90th, causing a 14-minute delay. Be careful out there, folks. Glenn Taylor, what the hell are you talking about? Huh? Okay, what? All right. After we started the show, going through um, at least five Glenn Taylor quotes that left us baffled uh, in his sit-downs with the Athletic and Star Tribune yesterday, trying to explain the Jimmy Butler situation and where the head coach stands. I give you the 1500 ESPN Twitter poll of the day. We want you to go vote on this. Hypothetical, of course. Glenn Taylor sells the Wolves to a competent ownership group, and there's a 50-50 chance they move the club. But if they don't move the club, you still get a competent ownership group running the team that would then remain at Target Center. Do you take the chance? Do you flip the coin with the possibility the team moves but the other 50% is they don't, and they're owned by a group that does a good job. So far, 170 votes. 59% say, yes, take the chance. 59% agree with, I believe, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill, and yours truly are all in agreement. And for Manny, this could be gut-wrenching because he loves the Wolves. I do not want to see this team move. But but <laughs> That the, would kill me. But the flip side is you get, the other yeah. side of the coin is you get a franchise that would no longer be a mess. Speaking of franchises that are in states of non-disarray. Sends it back to the weak side, and they score. Orlov beats Dubnik over the glove side, and the Capitals have the game's first goal. Orlov carries in. Wilson driving the net, deflects it by Dubnik, and the Capitals have a 2-0 lead. Connolly behind the net. Eller tries to tuck one in. Burakovsky scores on the backhand, and the Capitals have a three-goal lead. Three on two for the Caps. Ovechkin has Wilson driving the net. Orlov's the trailer, and he buries it. The Caps cash in on a three-on-two and lead it 4-1. Brano over the Minnesota line. Drops it back to Backstrom. Over for Oshie. Scores. And it's 5-1 Capitals. We just weren't sharp. I mean, the passes weren't tape to tape. They were bouncing. Some guys were not as good as I'd expected them to be. Uh, it's a weird thing because I didn't think... I thought we played as good as them. But they are the best team in the league scoring off the rush, and they proved it again tonight. I ask you this question. As somebody who has gone to many games at the X and watched the Wild lose, as they did last night, 5-2 to the Capitals, and seen angst. I've seen angst in the locker room. We have to look within ourselves. We have to come out. And the boys have to play harder next game. And has then gone to the Boudreaux press conference, previously the Mike Yo press conference, where the head coach's face is beat, beat red. And the level, the level of discontent is incredibly high. And everybody's questioning everybody. And all hell is about to break loose. I ask you this. When is the last time that we've gone to the X and seen the home team get spanked? They got spanked 5-2. I don't care what you're telling me about how they played. They got spanked. <sighs> and yet it's so peaceful. It's so peaceful. Because you went 5-2 and two on a road trip. You'd won 10 of your last 12. 
And that is how, when you get your butt whooped by the Stanley Cup champions, you get a head coach who's not beat red, but actually seems jovial. We just weren't sharp. I mean, the passes weren't tape to tape. They were bouncing. Some guys were not as good as I'd expected them to be. Uh, it's a weird thing because I didn't think, I thought we played as good as them, but they are the best team in the league scoring off the rush and they proved it again tonight. I just want everyone to know that there's no panic at the X, that I am not here to criticize a team that lost by three goals to the defending Stanley Cup champions myself because the Wild is still doing so well. There's a level of calmness over this defeat that it's been a long time since I've seen hockey people roll with the punches like this. By the way, very quickly, speaking of punches, guilty pleasure last night, gotta admit this, because I've basically come around to the anti-fighting stance that's so popular because fighting causes concussions. But Marcus Foligno, bravo to you. For jumping Tom Wilson, the cheap shot artist of all time of the Washington Capitals. He's the he's the Tim Dr. Hook McCracken character from Slapshot. And he ran your goaltender last night, and he apologized for that because he had just got done serving 14 games of a 20-game suspension, which an arbitrator ruled could end after 14 games. And Marcus Foligno, after Miko Koivu made it 3-1 to with a goal, jumped Tom Wilson. And they didn't just they didn't have a 2018 fight, Manny Hill. They had a circa 1985 knockdown drag out brawl. Oh, they threw it back. They threw it back, and I have to admit, for all I've talked about agreeing that fighting needs to go away and that, that eventually it's going to have to be outlawed or that it should be, guilty pleasure, I thoroughly enjoyed watching those fisticuffs and a little bit of retribution for a cheap shot artist like Tom Wilson, who probably shouldn't be playing the game. The head coach approved as well. Of course, he loves that stuff. Are you kidding? He would have got out there and fought Tom Wilson if he could have. <laughs> All right. Speaking of hockey, we have go for hockey tickets to give away a four-pack for Friday night against St. Lawrence that not only includes four tickets but also a parking pass. It's as simple as being caller 7 to 651-646-8255. If you want to go to go for hockey, four-pack of tickets and a parking pass on Friday night at Mariucci, 651-646-8255. Phil joins the show next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.